this week, we received an email sent by our sister Barb in Barbo. And uh, her message there to the church family was about a webinar. How many did see this? How many registered and saw the webinar? Okay, there are several hands. I, when I saw it, I went, I registered, put my email, and Tuesday night I was sitting there. And the message that I had planned for today completely changed after I watched it again. Of course, I've been following uh, the speaker for over a year about country living because I'm considering the country. And that was the end of the, of the seminar, uh, the final part of the presentation because of the days that we're living in and God's counsel to us as his children to move out from the larger cities and make preparation and make plans to live in the country and from there reach the cities with God's final message of salvation. God's final warning to us. Friends, God has two warnings. One warning to me has to do directly with you and with me. He calls you. He calls me. He speaks to you. He speaks to me through His Word. He uses various ways to speak to His children. It could be on a message on a Sabbath morning. It could be while you read any of the magazines that you receive from um, Adventist Review, Lake Union Herald, Science of the Time. I don't know. God can speak to you in so many different ways. And He does. Constantly. But He also wants to reach to the world. And I like to invite you to, if you haven't closed your Bible, it'll be better. But you would notice that in Ezekiel chapter 33 and verse 2 makes the distinction that God wants to speak to people that perhaps don't even know about Him. And it says in verse 2, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, when I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. And I see in this passage that God is counting on people like you and me to sound a warning to the land where we're at. Why? Because by now there shouldn't be nobody, at least in North America, ignorant 
about the fact that this coming September is going to mark a historical event that has never taken place in this country. Yes, we have had a visit of uh, the religious leader, the Pope, to visit this country before, but never invited to speak to the two houses of Congress and address them. I think that is unique. Uh, the invitation came as a bipartisan invitation. Mr. Boehner, Ms. Pelosi, they both arranged for this to happen. But many are thinking, what would our founding fathers think about this idea? Some has gone as far as to say they will be turning on their graves. And of course they're dust. They're not turning on their graves. But just to exaggerate the fact that there's something to it that really calls to your and my attention. And friends, if anything is going to happen, I tell you right now, it's not going to be in front of any camera or in public. It's going to be in some rooms, some conversations will take place. And I hope, I long, I pray, I desire with all my heart that that will trigger right there some changes in legislations that will just fit and will assure you that God is in control and that Bible prophecy is taking place right before our eyes. I desire that. I wish for that. I pray for that. But it could be that it not. I don't know. I'm just focused on the fact that for the first time, like many people were puzzled in 1984 when for the first time an ambassador, the president then, Mr. Nixon, appointed an ambassador to the Vatican. Again, something unheard for a hundred years. And it just took place. And from there on, Everyone remember the picture when John Paul II passed away and four presidents of the United States right there in the 16th church sitting there close to the casket where John Paul II was laying dead. Things that no one else has seen before in history in this country. And my friends... Could this be taken in the past and what is about to come as a kind warning from God? Letting us know we don't need to get hyped up. All you have to do is what Jesus said in Luke chapter 21. Just lift up your faces because your redemption is draws nigh. It's not about going crazy. It's about praying it's about searching the scriptures. It's about asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and understand that God wants to use you and me to give a warning to the world. But today, I am more concerned and will begin with what it says there in verse 10. Notice verse 10. Therefore you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, this is specific. God is saying, I have a warning for my people. He always has. He always has. How do we know that? 
Turn your Bibles to Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7. I will give you some time while you reach there. God went as far as to himself come in a human form to warn us, came to live among us, to let us know that God was among us. And it says in Haggai chapter 2 and verse 7, And I will shake all nations, and they shall come to the desire of all nations. And I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. You need to have in consideration that the temple that Haggai is talking about, it was the rebuilt temple that Nebuchadnezzar had destroyed. Had nothing to do with the splendor and the beauty that God inspired Solomon to build to be God's dwelling place among his children. Not even close. But there it was. What would make this house now even greater than the first one? The desire of all nations would be there himself. The one who gave the plans, the blueprint to David and Solomon would be there himself, the Messiah. He would be there in person sending God's message of love, His warning that there was an enemy that would try to break, to cut, to separate us from God. But He was coming to unite us back with God. Brethren, open your Bibles in 2 Chronicles chapter 36. This is the last chapter of the book of Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 36. If you would turn your Bibles there with me, and let's read there in verse 15 through 17. Second Chronicles chapter 36. It's so beautiful to hear the sound of the Bible pages turning. It is wonderful. And it says the word of the Lord, the following. Verse 15. And the Lord God of their fathers sent, in my translation of the New King James, God of their fathers sent warnings to them by his messengers. Other translations use the word by prophets, his messengers. He sent to them messengers rising up early and sending them because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. But they mocked. Can you believe this? They mocked the messengers of God. Have you ever been Sabbath lunch table where the pastor was there for dessert? Does it sound similar? 
It's not new, right? Israel knew how to do that too. I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about human tendency, humanity. They did it then, and Satan is trying to get us there to do the same. But they mocked the messengers of God, despised his words sent by God, and scoffed at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people, till there was no remedy. The sickness was so bad, there was nothing else that he could do. He sent messenger after messenger, prophet after prophet, with his warnings, turn to me. And there it is, verse 17. Therefore he brought against them the king of the Chaldeans, who killed their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary and had no compassion on young man or virgin on the age or the weak. He gave them all into his hands. God wanted to prevent that. God wanted them to know that was not his real desire for them. But they chose to turn against him. What is it with me? What is it with you? Last night, I shared with my wife as we were getting ready to sleep that somewhere around two or three, I was reviewing my thoughts as I would to share with you this message from the Lord. I picked up a great controversy that was near to me and started reading. Some of those quotations on those chapters, I urge you, as a parenthesis, when you go back home this afternoon, chapter 35 through chapter 38 of Desire of Ages, lay it out, spell out, word by word, what it's right ahead of us. God is warning us. He's giving us all the details before hand before it happens so that none of us would be unaware that no one would have to be caught without a warning without preparation yes so after reading the first and the second chapter I realize that very similar I too I too have mocked God's messengers. Despise his words. Scoff at his prophets. I too have done that. I couldn't believe myself what had happened the day before. And other things in my life that I said, Lord, what am I doing? This is an insult to you. This is like slapping your face. That I would stand before your people tomorrow. And I have done this. Beloved, God sends a warning to you and to me this very day. And I cannot thank Him enough the way how Jesus, when He came, the Son of God Himself, was sent to plead with the impenitent city 
And this is commenting on Jesus entering Jerusalem on a donkey. And he starts weeping. He starts crying. Well, yesterday I cried on myself. I had to pity on myself because of what I have done. Friends, Jesus himself was there. It was Christ that had brought Israel as a godly vine out of Egypt. Psalms chapter 80 verse 8 confirms that. His own hand had cast out the heathen before them when they were introduced to the land. What could have been done more to my vineyard, the Lord asked through the prophet Isaiah. What else could he do to give their attention to fulfill the mission? And I ask today to me and to you, what else can God do to me, to you, so that we will be doing what he asked us to do? Without using guilty traps? Without scaring the socks of nobody? For three years, the Lord of light and glory had gone in and out among his people. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, binding up the brokenhearted, setting at liberty them that were bound. Friends, it's no secret. Among us right here, young and old, addictions, I'm not going to go into details. We know what they are. We know who my brother, my sister is. And we need to come to them like Christ and bring them to the one who can set them free. Not me and you in a judgmental way, but in a loving kind, letting him or her know, my brother, I'm here for you. Call me or allow me to call you. So that we can work together until you're free from whatever the enemy wants to oppress you. If it is gossip, let's work at it. If it is a bad temper, let's work at it. If it is appetite, let's work at it. The list just goes on and on and on. That, those are the, what we call the mild addictions. But they're still addictions. And they're there. I will never forget one Wednesday prayer meeting, this sister, when I made the challenge, and she said, Pastor, now that I heard you say that, let's ask one another, I am addicted to soap opera, she said. That's it. I can't do without it. Every time when the clock comes, I stop everything I'm doing at home. And I just turn that TV and I'm there glued to that thing. What makes us believe that pornography, drug, smoking, oh, those are the bad ones. There's no difference. Christ is not king. He cannot exercise his healing, liberating power in our lives. And he wants to do that with us. Jesus wants to prepare this dwelling place, this tabernacle, so that he can come and use it as a mean to warn Nina, Menasha, Appleton. 
Yes. To all classes alike was addressed the gracious call. Come unto me, Jesus would said, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You have no idea. I received a letter this week from a young man. He said, Pastor, it's not worth living anymore. I can't wait until Monday to go to jail early morning and talk to him and encourage him. I don't want to hear that he killed himself in jail because he knows he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. He thought that his appeal would go through, but no, he just got word after I visited him last week, pastor doesn't look the same anymore. Would you please pray for Albert Chagman? There's so many people out there that are struggling. We need to be there like Jesus went to village after village and warned them of how much God loves them and cares for them. Yes, prophets had wept over the apostasy of Israel and the terrible desolation by which their sins were visited. Yes, Jeremiah chapter 9 speaks about it. And brethren, when Christ now on that donkey is weeping and crying over his own people, and like today we need to cry for one another, Christ saw in Jerusalem a symbol of the world hardened in unbelief and rebellion and hastening on to meet the retru the judgments of God, the woes of a fallen race pressing upon his soul, forced from his lips that exceeding bitter cry that he just exhibited right there on that occasion. Brethren, let's cry out for one another. Let's pray out for one another. Let's ask the Lord to prepare us to call these cities of the Fox Valley to be reconciled by God. You see, what God wants to do in me and in you, through you and through me, is to prepare us and invite them because we have warnings that have been given to us that are telling us that He is even at the door. Friends, our Savior warned His followers. He did that to the people in Jerusalem. When ye, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Jesus gave them all the details. He gave them all they needed to know that when the destruction of Jerusalem was coming, all they need to do is, when they would see those standards, just walk out. Don't worry about those armies. Just walk out. Yes? And we are informed by history, not one Christian died, nor in the siege, nor in the destruction of Jerusalem. God has given us all that we need to know, all the information that we need. I am encouraged. You know it. You read it there in the first chapter of Great Controversy. For seven years, a man that it looked like he was crazy, 
he would walk, go up and down of the streets of Jerusalem, declaring the woes that were to come upon the city seven years. He was repeating the same message. By day and by night, he chanted the wild message, a voice from the east, a voice from the west, a voice from the four winds, a voice against Jerusalem and against the temple, a voice against the bridegroom and the brides, a voice against whole people. This strange guy, person, was in prison and scourge, but not complaint. A word how they were scoffing of him and ridiculing him. Didn't say a word. Not a complaint came out of his lips to insult and abuse. He answered only, Woe, woe to Jerusalem. Woe, woe to the inhabitants thereof. His warning cry ceased. Not until he was slain in the siege he had foretold himself. God tells us how much he cares for us. This is what the Lord has impressed me and you that we cannot look, act, speak anymore the way we've done for the last year and four months, now five, beginning the fifth month. We need to look different. Please, hold on to the coat of Paul, Paul Presley, to the coat of Judy, to those that are part of the outreach of our church, hold on to my coat, to anyone's coat and say, what can I do? How can I be used in preparation for these meetings? How can I come to this church? Would you give me a key of this church so that I can come with other people and just take nights? The hour that I would spend, I don't know if it is, Monday night football or Sunday night or whatever day, I just want to come and start praying with my brothers and sisters for those that are here in these three cities. Because if we repeat the same behavior, what's going to happen? Same results. No scientific, no science rocket or rocket science. They're needed. Friends, I beg of you that the Lord will speak clear to your minds, to your hearts, and just ask of Him, Lord, use me. Use me. In the same way, as a symbol of the destruction of Jerusalem, Christ gave him specific instructions to flee. The same way, in the end time, the Lord speaks to us and tells us that we too can be ready. He gives us those warnings. I want to close by just reflecting with you upon reaching out to the world. First, 
The first warning is to ourselves. What a merciful Father we have that calls upon ourselves to uplift, encourage, be a keeper of my brother, my sister. I have visited the majority of you in your homes. There are still some homes that have not visited you. And if I can't get to your home, I'm going to ask you to go out and let's eat together because I want to talk to you. I want to hear from your heart. I want to plan with you how can you be used, I be used by God to fulfill the mission that He has called us to do. You see, the Savior's prophecy concerning the visitation of judgments upon Jerusalem is to have another fulfillment of which that terrible desolation was but a faint shadow. In the fate of the chosen city, we may behold the doom of a world that has rejected God's mercy and trampled upon His law. Dark are the records of human misery that earth has witnessed during its long centuries of crime. The heart sickens. mind grows faint in contemplation. Terrible have been the result of rejection. The authority of heaven. But a scene yet darker is presented in the revelation of the future. The records of the past, the long procession of tumults, conflicts, and revolutions, the battle of the warrior with confused noise and garments rolled in blood, says Isaiah 9. What are these in contrast with the terrors of that day when the restraining spirit of God shall be wholly withdrawn from the wicked, no longer to hold in check the outburst of human passion and satanic wrath. That is just about to come upon us. I don't know the day or the hour. I'm not trying to scare you, but that's coming our way. It doesn't matter how long it will take. God can use you and me. Fear not. He will just manifest His power and glory in you and through you to fulfill His purpose, to give the warning out. Yes. Some brethren have chosen in New London to send out a letter to the whole city. I'll let you know how that experiment went. We'll do this in the summer. Send out the warning. Send out the invitation. I will read it to you. I was supposed to bring it this morning and failed to bring it with me. But yes, God is counting on us to give the warning to our friends. God is counting on you and on me. In that day, as in the time of Jerusalem's destruction, God's people will be delivered. You see? Nothing to worry. Everyone that shall be found written among the book of God. Yes. Christ has declared that He will come the second time to gather His faithful ones to Himself. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And He shall send His angels 
with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds. And friends, that will be it. No more warning will be needed. But before that, let men beware, lest they neglect the lesson conveyed to them in the words of Christ. As he warned his disciples of Jerusalem destruction, giving them a sign of the approaching ruin, that they might make their escape, so he has warned the world of the day of final destruction and has given them tokens of his approach. And those of you who took the time to watch the seminar, nothing new, it was all there, just some new slides. Our hearts got pumping, pumping stronger because we're seeing the evidence, the signs that were put together. So it was just a, a review of what we already know. But the enemy of our souls is sending all kinds of distractions so that we will not be focused on the mission, why we are here as a church. And we know is not to meet Sabbath after Sabbath. That is in itself a testimony to the community, amen? But that's not the main reason. That is just part of the equation, the least important one. It has a role. But it's God's heart being poured out through your lips, through your message, inviting friends and neighbors to know Him who set you free. The world is no more ready to credit the message for this time than were the Jews to receive the Savior's warning concerning Jerusalem. Come when it may, the day of God will come unawares to the ungodly. When life is going on in its unvarying round, when men are absorbed in pleasures, in business, in traffic, in money-making, when religious leaders are magnifying the world's progress and technology and enlightenment, and the people are lulled in a false security, then, as the midnight thief steals within the unguarded dwelling, so shall sudden destruction come upon the careless and ungodly, and they shall not escape. Brothers and sisters, I pray that God's warning, double warning, to me first, and the one He wants through you and me be presented to these cities that God will be able to count on your prayers with your lips, with your hands, with your feet, with your heart, fill of His compassion, Him and you sharing it with others. Hermano Salomón, tengo cinco fe de Jesús para usted. I just told Nathan's father, I have five Bible lessons, booklets, that he requested me. First thing, he talked to me. Pastor, I need to tell somebody around here, can you give me some materials? Well, I got them. They just came in in the mail from Michigan. We don't have the ABC here. Friends, I pray you too will ask the leaders of the church, give me something. 
I want to just share with someone else, whether it be in the form of a DVD, just present it to my friends there. You don't have to hold in a public building a series of meetings, just in your friend's house. And there are some materials that are coming. Thunder in the Bible land. We'll talk to you more about this in our preparation. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for reminding us, for sending through your word the kind, loving warning from your heart that Jesus is coming again. And as wonderful and as exciting and all the good news that is contained in it prior to his coming, there's an unfinished task, a work that it's undone. And you're counting from the youngest to the least youngest among us today to lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring. Baptize us with your Holy Spirit because this is the only way this can happen. It's not out of good intentions. It's not because we heard a message through a vessel of clay. It's because you're speaking to our hearts like Jesus spoke to his disciples. And through them, in one generation, the known world heard of a risen Savior. And you will do exactly the same through your final church, Laodicea, that it is in deep trouble. Like, really deep. As dysfunctional, as messed up, is the last church that I don't know how, but you will give your final message to this impenitent world. Thank you for even considering, risking, using everyone in this building as part of the work in this area. We surrender all at the foot of the cross to Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen.